Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag BYU. And off Algier. Breaks into the open and he's going to walk it in or leap it in. BYU, that's the first points of this game and their first touchdown of 2021. They bring some pressure. BYU picked it up nicely. They gave Hall time to throw. Downfield and it's caught. In stride, Touchdown, BYU. Out of the timeout, it's going to sprint right and deliver. Inside the five, Powell lunged for the pylon. He got there. Touchdown. BYU beats Arizona 24-16. Jaron Hall with a pair of touchdown passes to Neil Pau. A-Rod sat at one of those uh, media availabilities for him and said, Pau's looked good. Didn't say he was absolutely the best receiver on the team. Want to keep that competition open, have everybody pushing each other and all that stuff. But was just talking about how awesome he was and was kind of implying it. And then Pau came up big there, and also I thought Tyler Algier, 94 yards running the ball. That was a pretty solid performance out of him, picking up where he left off last year as well. Yeah, Algier is solid. That's a very good phrase. That's a very good word, solid, because it's exactly what it was. It's funny you bring up Pau because A-Rod, you know, when he got fired from Utah, he sat out the year, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think he might have been at like some, An if I remember, some unofficial advisor mm-hmm. or something to the program. And then he gets on as uh, one of the full-time coaches. And I can remember being down there in the old days when you used to be out on the practice field afterward and you can talk to the coaches. I can remember him specifically. It's funny you say that because it's specifically I remember him saying that the BYU talent offensively, he hadn't been involved in the program, obviously, because when he was coordinating the offense for Utah, he was worried about their defense, so he didn't right. have much knowledge of the offense, even though he's an offensive guy. And then when he got there, he started studying the offense, obviously, and he told me that Neil Pau had as much talent as any receiver he'd ever had at Utah. Now, I know BYU fans are going to scoff and say that's not saying much. I get all that. But the point was he singled him out three-plus years ago on this kid's talent, and then you bring that up, and then obviously on Saturday night, he looked really good. So maybe it's taken a little bit, but we're seeing this kid's talent come to pass, and we should expect big things from him going forward. Eight catches for 126 yards, two scores, had the 67-yarder when he got behind everybody. Uh, as a receiver, that's that's just an awesome line. I don't know what more you want out of a receiver. Eight catches for 126 yards and two scores. Done and done. Now, BYU had a lot of receivers missing most or all of that game. A lot of guys we thought we would see production out of. And uh, combined, they made zero catches. Gunnar Romney went down early. Samson Nakua. Kai Nakua. Those three guys, zero Puka. catches. Puka, not Kai. Oh, sorry. Puka Nakua. Uh, zero catches for zero yards. And yet... They still threw the ball pretty well. They're 19 to 29 for 207 yards as a team. Pau had the one pass he completed for nine yards. The rest of it was Hall. So they had the lead. They didn't need to throw it and pile up the yards. They got what they needed. And man, if you told me they were missing those three receivers, I'm not sure a month ago I would have thought they pulled this off. And yet here they sit now and they pulled it off. 
And I might add the fact that uh, the tight ends were not nearly as much of a factor as I expect them to be going forward because you look at Holker and Rex. Those are two pretty good talents, right? Yeah. So they should be able to be utilized more. Uh, But you look at, uh, in talking with the BYU folks, that Arizona's defense was better than expected, did some things that they didn't expect. So, uh, and maybe Hall... And in in my mind, wondering, does he have first game jitters in an extent? I mean, here's a kid who grew up in the county, talked to his dad last week, wanted to be BYU quarterback. You're getting now you're getting this opportunity. And so maybe you're too hyped for the moment and all. I suspect we'll see a more settled down kid, although it's not like he played poorly by any stretch. Zero turnovers. You'll take that. But not okay for the first game. Going to have to be better for sure. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Delora gets the snap, and this time does give to Borgie, and Borgie gets around the edge. 40, 45, 50, still on his feet. Down the sideline he goes. 30, 20, will he catch him? No, Borgie gets the score. Holy smokes. Borgie has been kept under control all game, only had six yards rushing, but takes that one to the house for the first touchdown of the game. 15 seconds left. Utah State with the ball at the Washington State 7 for a chance to win this game. Bonner with Tyler next to him. Looks right, throws right, caught into the end zone. That is a Utah State touchdown, and the Aggies have taken the lead in Pullman. DT, are you with me? Utah State has taken the lead with 12 seconds left to go in the game. The Aggies needed everything to go right in the last seven minutes of that game. They needed a touchdown. They needed a quick punt or a turnover. They needed another touchdown. They hadn't forced a punt or a turnover in the second half. They hadn't scored a touchdown in the whole game. I don't know where that belief came from, PK, but they're converting fourth downs offensively. They're getting stops defensively. They did it all right in the final seven minutes. They got their two touchdowns, and they got their first road win ever over a Pac-12 school. That's a... That's a Cinderella story for a debut for head coach Blake Anderson right there. Yeah, I, I agree. The The world of modern technology is beautiful. I'm sitting in the interview room in Allegiant Stadium, and I subscribed to satellite, so I got it on my phone, and I call it up on the satellite radio, and I get Scotty's call. And so I'm sitting there uh, in, the, in the media room waiting for the BYU players and coach to come out, and people are asking me, what's going on? What's going on? And I got Scotty giving the play-by-play, <laughs> listening to the game. And, and so that very call that we just played, I heard that live. And so, yeah, what more can you expect, man? That was an outstanding win for his program, for sure. And it goes to what somebody told me from the BYU perspective, man. This transfer portal yep. really yep. can be a significant game changer, Yes, which is uh, piling on. Game changer is good enough, but then you set it up with uh, significant, and that's what we saw. Off-season predictions are going to mean less than ever. You look at how Arizona and Utah State finished last season and how much better they were in their first games, and they both leaned heavily on the transfer portal. It was just night and day. It was it was just night and day, and it was it, there were a lot of good things from Utah State all along. It's not like they stunk it up for fifty three minutes and stole the game in the last seven minutes. They had to be on point, a plus football in those last seven minutes. But man, that game was three three six five, and until that touchdown call we heard from Scotty there, it was eight six. I mean, they were just battling with Washington State. 
it just it was it was just a grinded out sort of game, and uh, and they were able to come back. We'll talk with Blake Anderson coming up at nine thirty. Found a quarterback, found a running back. Uh, Scotty had said Tompkins is going to be the go-to wide receiver. He ran an uh, an end around a reverse to set up the uh, TD, got him first and goal to set up a TD, and then he caught three passes on the game-winning drive. He came up big for them. Tompkins is absolutely the guy, and everybody will be trying to figure out how to take him away going forward. We'll talk with Blake Anderson coming up at 9.30. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Throw across the middle. is deflected and intercepted, and a whole lot of room in front of Leon O'Neal Jr. Aggie sideline. Touchdown on the dive by Leon O'Neal Jr. Man, this one's tough to swallow. Among the toughest to swallow. Hurts. An FCS team comes into Husky Stadium and sends Washington to 0-1 to begin the 2021 season. There may be some people surprised out there. There wasn't anybody surprised in our locker room because of the preparation that they put in this week. This would win it from 41 yards out. We await the snap. Hold is down. The kick is up. Ball game! Notre Dame wins! He nailed it! And they run off into the locker room to celebrate the win! Giving the tomahawk chop as they leave! What a moment for Jonathan Dorr! The last highlight there is Notre Dame in overtime beating Florida State. Eight of the top 25 teams got beat on week one of the college football season. Notre Dame was nearly the ninth but they slipped past Florida State in OT 41-38. Also in there, we heard Chip Kelly. No one surprised in our locker room because of the preparation. UCLA beating 16th-ranked LSU to move to 2-0. That was the bright spot for the Pac-12. The downside, you heard the highlight there, is Washington loses to Montana 13-7. The Pac-12 North goes 1-5. Oregon got the win by rallying at home in the fourth quarter to beat Fresno State. They were behind in fourth quarter and in real danger of losing that game. That was a horrific opening weekend for the Pac-12 North, and by extension for the Pac-12. The South went 5-1, and one, although they had three money games, so... Not that impressive. Out of money games, so... Yeah, right. <laughs> Here's the money and the W. Enjoy yourself. Well, yeah, I really think Klyovkov has got to go. This is embarrassing. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, new guy, it's your fault. You got the it's embarrassing part right. That part uh, cannot be debated. That was embarrassing. It really was, man. It just, uh, to me, no excuses for the South this year. They don't get a South representative in the Rose Bowl. Something's wrong. <laughs> I, you know, I looked at. I, I'm not that sold on Oregon, though. I don't. I'm not a big believer in Anthony Brown. So that that really didn't surprise me. Now I can act like I knew what I was talking about there, but at the same time, in the next breath, I picked Washington to win the uh, division, and uh, they looked awful offensively. Which I suppose I should have figured that out because I figured they'd be good defensively because they returned virtually everybody, and they were good defensively. Uh, offensively, the loss of those receivers, one of whom is Puka Nakua and the other Ty Jones, who was who with Fresno now, I believe. And so you've got those two. They don't really have many explosive plays. They only had two plays beyond 15 yards. They got Otten is a really good tight end. I think he's an NFL tight end. He had one of them. And the other one, it didn't come until the last possession of the game. That is just putrid offensively. My goodness, that's bad. Stanford got played off the field by K-State. Now, I think they were kind of in a gray area. How good are they going to be? 
Coming off a four and eight season, that did in 2019, just setting aside 2020, but a four and eight season in 2019, that did not look good at all. That was another downer of a score. It was, but at least it's a P5. True story. And it wasn't, I mean, it's a neutral field, but Washington lost at home. <laughs> and wondering who the first coach would be who would lose his job. Randy Edsall at UConn announced he will retire at the end of the season. Huskies are 0-2, and they lost to Holy Cross, who's an FCS school. So they his first run there, it was great. They went to a Fiesta Bowl. He left. He comes back. It's not gone well. And he says, I'm out. Start your search. I'll wrap up this year. Good night, everybody. So there's coach number one. We'll see who follows. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. This has been a fluid process for me this whole time. And I'm weighing every pro and con out there, and it keeps me up at night. There's a lot of things uh, that go on inside my head, but it's just where we're at right now. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on a vaccine or a virus or any of that. And so that's just where we're at. That's Carson Wentz right there, the Colts uh, quarterback, talking about uh, COVID and COVID protocols. And that's with no NFL games this weekend. When they shortened the season, they gave themselves this week to get everybody healthy and ready for the openers. Give the guys some time away. You may have seen a certain Jets quarterback showing up in Las Vegas. That, that made a little bit of a little bit of news on social media, a little bit of noise in the stadium. But the rest of the news is it's just COVID left, COVID right. Tom Brady says he got COVID after the Super Bowl boat parade. Dallas Cowboys six-time Pro Bowl guard Zach Martin tested positive for COVID-19 and will miss a season opener against the Bucks Thursday night. He is vaccinated. Jets starting wide receiver Jamison Crowder tested positive. So, And all of them are still living and are going to live. Good for them. And there is your NFL COVID update. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Down three. Tying run is at first. The pitch. Swing and a fly ball. it in the air to deep right field it's way back tucker looking up gonna go walk off home run for jake cronenworth and the padres beat the astros four to three on jake's homer in the bottom of the ninth inning padres get the win they're a half game in front of the reds now in the wild card race after cronenworth who was kind of a throw-in in the deal with tampa bay that was all about getting fam and cronenworth turned out to be an all-star but whatever it worked and uh, Frank Schwindel, seventh inning grand slam by the Red Hot Cubs. And the Cubs beat the Pirates 11-8. <laughs> Need a cigarette after that? Holy cow, that was... You want to play that again, Yacht? No, don't. No, no don't it's the Cubs that. and the Pirates. They're two crappy teams. <laughs> I know. We'll go Giants-Dodgers or something. <laughs> give you some level of importance. The Giants take two out of three from the Dodgers. They, they split the first two. The Giants got out in front. 6-1 last night, and hold on to win 6-4. So they come out of the last series of the year with a one-game lead, the 19 matchups. The Giants take 10. The Dodgers take 9. Okay, who wants to see a Giant-Dodger playoff series? Who's ready for that? Me. Everybody should have their hands in the air right now. That would be good. That would be awesome. Unless one of them loses a wild-card game to the Padres, in which case I'd be okay with it. Bees beat the Sacramento Rivercats 6-3. Two teams to square off. Labor Day matinee today at 2 o'clock. 
Coverage begins at 1.45 on The Zone. You'll hear Steve Klauke on 12.80 a.m. And our regular programming on 97.5 FM, The Big Show, at 2 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. It's a weird game, PK. Sometimes you play well for 80 minutes, you tune out for a few minutes, and you end up losing or turning a win in three points into one point. RSL played about as poorly as uh, they can for 40 minutes, then got a goal, got to halftime at 1-1, and then played great the rest of the way and beat Dallas 3-2. Got off the deck. They're headed down to LAFC next week. A game that didn't feel like they were going to go up 3-1, but yet they did. So, a W for RSL. To get back to 500 on the year, eight wins, eight losses, and six ties. Well, anytime you have a coach who went to Thunderbird High, you know that this ball club is going to be feisty. And Pablo was feisty. And he can turn a line, too. You got good English professors or English teachers at uh, Thunderbird High, not professors. Your ghosts follow you. He says stuff during a post-game interview. You're like, oh, that's good. That is good. Well, You'd be a writer. Had, I can tell you they had just one of the world's best writers who subbed at Thunderbird High for a time. Oh, that a kid. <laughs> that would be me. I knew. I went back to my own school and worked as a substitute teacher. How about that? That a kid right there. we got to get this guy on, especially now that they're coming off a win. He's more able to joke. Yes, you're right. Uh, the U.S. men's national team won one at home with Canada. Ugh. Are they going to not qualify for the World Cup again? Two games down. Four, uh, they got to play 14, so they got 12 to go, but this is not a good start. All right, what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Blake Anderson coming up at 9 30. We get time to talk college football. Your reaction to the Cougars' season opening win, the Aggies' stunning fourth quarter rally and the win at Washington State. We'll get to all that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. All right, question of the morning. How about the Cougars in Vegas? What you think of that season opening win? Tyler, did they play? I was too busy watching the Aggies do what they do best. Win! Exclamation point, all caps. We will get to the Aggies with the head coach, Blake Anderson, joining us at 9.30, one hour from now. We'll be talking to the Aggie head coach. Travis says, that's about what I thought they were against P5 talent. Next Saturday will be a stiff test. Agreed. 
And Michael says, for both teams. Uh, it's Agreed. already starting. It's only Monday, PK, and it's already starting. Agreed. That's all I'm going to say is just agreed. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> David says, I was at the game and admittedly expected more based upon the hype. Guess I better stop listening to the radio. Stadium's quite nice, but again, it's just a stadium. A lot of hype there, too. I guess I better stop traveling and having fun. Winking emoji. Hell out of BYU fans there for sure. It was a fun atmosphere. It was fun to uh, every time the Arizona fans would cheat, chant U of A, that the BYU fans would just dominate and overtake them, you know, because I don't know what they had, 5-1, to 10-1, to one, probably something. Yeah, like I don't know. It was, it was a lot to a little. That was pretty clear on TV. Well, we, we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. That's no big surprise. They announced a crowd of 54,000, largest ever to see a college game. It's probably BYU had said it before uh, when they played in the Vegas Bowl. So uh, all that stuff added into something that we all want to see because of the fact that it's uh, hadn't had it for a year. Uh, I thought BYU, obviously they played well enough to win, uh, uh, but they're going to have to play better this week. I mean, that's clear. I think, I mean, this goes without saying, the talent level is going to take a market increase, and that's to take nothing away from the Cats because I thought the Cats, they accorded themselves well. They didn't win the game, and that's the objective. There's no such thing as a moral win, but, you know, very few teams have lost 12 in a row and the last time out you lost by 63 points to your rival. And then, if I remember correctly, they had another game the next week, and they canceled it. They said, no, nah, we're not going to do it. Uh, so they basically quit literally on the season, and you have to give Fish and his guys credit. Don Brown, the defensive coordinator, has been around for a long time. He knows what he's doing. BYU thought they could run the ball more effectively, and they didn't. So they're going to have to play better, and the players around Hall is going to have to play better. Uh, Hall, under the circumstances, I'll grade him on a curve, probably a B-. minus. Uh, next week, uh, you can't continue to grade on a curve. Everyone's going to have to play better there, uh, including the defense for that matter. So really then it comes down to being upset that they didn't uh, finish the game off when they got up 21-3? to That they kind of held on to win it as opposed to uh, just dominating the rest of the way? Uh, well, I mean, they, they, they did what they needed to do after Arizona had changed the momentum. Yes. There were, there were some things there that, that were unacceptable. I mean, after they uh, Arizona scored the touchdown, BYU gets the ball – and then they have a delay of game penalty coming out of basically what is a timeout. You knew you were going to get the ball back, and the kid had been kicking in the end zone, so you were probably going to get it at the 25, and you had a delay of game penalty? I mean, that's completely unacceptable. Uh, the defense made a stop, and then the uh, offense uh, after that got him into position to get a field goal, so that was nice. There was enough to build on. I think I was a little underwhelmed. I expected more, but in, in talking with some people – after the game and then yesterday, I think it was more about Arizona and the transfers that they had with the talent that was there on defense that made it a little more difficult for the Cougars. And then you already mentioned the number of quality receivers. Seems like, unfortunately, Romney's always hurt, so I don't know what to say there. But the Nakua brothers need to get back and have an opportunity to make some plays and, and go from there. The bottom line, to quote Whittingham because he loves to say bottom line, is that the Cougars are going to have to play better if they want to end the streak because uh, Utah, uh, as good as Arizona played, and I'll give them credit. I've got no problem doing that. I think the Utes are going to be that much better. So 
obviously the Utes are going to want to run the ball. It's Kyle Whittingham. Why wouldn't he? It's what he does. And we got a hint of that watching uh, how it's all going to work out with that whole running back battle, watching that first game. So I'm curious what you thought watching in person. Because watching on TV, obviously, you know, the numbers were pretty good as far as stopping Arizona's running game. Uh, the 81 yards rushing is a little misleading because they got Gunnar Cruz was in 19 yards. You know, so the backs ran for 100 yards combined. But I thought, you know, BYU can probably live with that. But is that, this is what we always ask after one game, is that because BYU is that good versus the run, or is that because Arizona, they're there to throw the ball, and running is just something they do to give the receivers a break? Yeah, I mean, obviously they were towards uh, throwing the ball, and Barry Hill's a pretty good receiver. I knew he was a good receiver. Uh, Cruz, I didn't know what to expect there. At a quarterback, I wasn't really sure. Uh, hasn't played a whole lot. Uh, I think they had a nice game plan there, and uh, but BYU's defense, you know, it's about giving up touchdowns. You can cite all the stats you want. Yes, and they and kept them out of the end zone. We talked yeah. about the two missed field goals and the pick in the end zone. And if Arizona's looking for why they didn't win the game, well, there's three drives where you got a chance to come away with up to 21 points, and you got zero and an eight-point loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so And that's the game. Uh, yeah, and BYU had a couple starters down. Obviously Ellis goes down early and then mm-hmm. uh Thule wasn't playing there. Uh so I expect them to be better and they're gonna have to be better too because Utah is gonna present a challenge. That's why this I like actually like having this game as a second game. You have the opportunity to get the rust off of and really it, it this is just a gigantic game. This is the biggest game they've played since they've been independent because I don't think BYU's program was in the position it is now with the expectation level that they have now. You can go back to when Taysom and Jamal Williams were seniors, and that, and that was big too. But I think that with uh, Utah, you know, they're looking at looking at the north now. And I, I put that in my predictions column you know, when they got beat by Oregon, they had Justin Herbert there. And there's no quarterback in the north, that, at least right now, that looks at you and just, wow, that's that he's a scary dude. So, I mean, way, way, way ahead of ourselves here because they haven't even played one game. But if they can get to that conference final, the Rose Bowl's right there for the taking. And this is going to go a step towards helping you believe that you're really good. Uh, and at that point, you know, you go into it. Uh, probably if you win this game, you win next week, and then you're going into Washington State, right? That's our first game. Uh, it really sets it up where this would be a major downer. It's not anything you can't overcome, but it would be a major downer. So it's a big game, huge game in that respect. I'm really excited for it. So do you trust BYU's ability to stop Utah's running game based on what you saw in game one? Stop? Can they stop them? No. If you see, if, if my definition has to be stop, no. I, I, not so then it comes down level. to can they slow them down? Yeah, keep them under control. You know, they're going to just like Utah State with Borgie. Borgie's really good. You know, he's been good for a number of years. He only played a couple games last year. But before that, he was really good. And you listen to Scotty on the touchdown. You know, they had contained him, and then he breaks a big one. So Utah is going to have to do that. I mean, Utah just has so much emphasis on running the ball. Yeah, and Arizona doesn't. Yeah, if you stop them, well, then you're going to win. I don't think they're going to stop them because I don't know that anybody's really going to stop the Utes from running the ball. 
but at the same time, you know, do not have guys running six, seven, eight yards a carry. Make sure that it's much lower than that. It's half of that. Is that possible? Uh, yeah, possible. Will it happen? I uh, can't really say for sure. Will it happen? Utah's offensive line, what do I got there? You know, who's available? Who's playing? How good are they? I don't know enough about that. I know enough about the tradition, but I don't know enough about this particular team at this time. And you're getting them early, and you know how much have they developed in, as far as that goes. So that that's a, one of the game's subplots within the game, for sure, to be able to watch. Because if Utah doesn't do it and BYU has resounding success there, that goes a long way towards helping the Cougars win. Conversely, it would go a long way towards helping the Utes win if they have a, a good amount of success there. Brent totally downgrades the BYU victory. He says Arizona is the bottom of the Pac-12, and that's a conference that isn't very good this year. Arizona won't make it to a bowl game. Well, the bottom of the conference looks a little different after some of the scores we saw from week one. There were, there were some disasters out there. I don't know that Arizona won't make it to a bowl game. Right now, uh, speaking to the BYU coaches, they were very, very impressed. Can they get to six? Well, uh, we'll know soon enough. We'll probably know as soon as this week. If they don't beat San Diego State, it's probably going to be difficult. But if they beat San Diego State, then they got NAU the following week, if I remember correctly, and that puts them at two and one. So if you get uh, a third of your victories needed for the bowl outside of the conference season, can you find ways to win four more? If Arizona goes four and five in conference, I would have to consider that an extremely successful season. But, you know, I I compared this to what Bronco Mendenhall did. The program was in its worst spot in 40 years when Bronco Mendenhall took over BYU. And he got him to six that first season. And then he took off the next three. Phenomenal, phenomenal coaching job by Bronco Mendenhall. Should go down as one of the greatest. He was somewhat awkward when he spoke. So people, and he wasn't very personable to a lot of different people in terms of the public. So he wasn't embraced the way he should have. But he did a phenomenal job at that point. There's just no question about it. And can Jed Fish do that this year? I won't rule it out. It's going to be hard, but I won't rule it out. I'm I'm 100% with you. It's a narrow path. It is there. The The north is bad enough that you can't rule anything out, uh, but they got to beat San Diego State. And San Diego State was losing to New Mexico State at halftime and made a bunch of big plays and won the game, but they, they don't look like world beaters. So if Arizona gets that, then we'll see. Yeah. Brad says... BYU did pretty well for the first game of the season. Hall was good after the first quarter, but they have much to improve on as the competition gets toffee. I'm sure that's supposed to be tougher. (laughs) They didn't use the tight ends hardly at all. I'm curious why they didn't use the tight ends. Is that because something Arizona was doing? Are they saving stuff for the Utes next week? Is it just the way the game went? What was going on there? Because high expectation, and you would think with three right wide receivers out, that the tight ends, which, I mean, it seems like they have an endless supply of talented tight ends, that somebody would have been making plays there, but it, it didn't happen. I don't know that I have the specific answer to that, honestly. I can bluff my way through it and pretend like I do, but I don't know. And that's some questions that we could ask going forward as to why they weren't targeted as much. I, On the surface, in my private conversations, 
I'm thinking that it was Arizona's defense, and they were able to get a handle on that. But I didn't ask sp- specifically what was going on with the tight ends. I think that uh, one thing that was happening is that Arizona converted too many third and fourth downs, and Kalani referenced this in his post game, and we played it earlier this morning. But Arizona ended up with 83 snaps, and BYU ended up with 63. And I wonder how much of it is you don't have the ball, you got other stuff that's going well, you want to feed Tyler Algier, and he ended up with 17 carries. I was a little surprised he didn't end up, you know, at 20 or 25. Uh, Powell ends up with the eight catches. You know, you're targeting other guys, and they're making plays, so you keep doing it. And I just wonder how much of it is, well, if they both had 70 snaps, some of these numbers for BYU would have looked better, but Arizona ended up with a huge advantage there. They didn't cash in on it because they get down and miss field goals and throw the pick in the end zone, but they ran way more plays, and BYU just didn't run enough. So I wonder how much of that. Now, if Utah, who's going to focus on, you would think, focus on running the ball and running it better than Arizona did, that seems like one of the things BYU's got to change is they just they can't have that many snaps on defense. And that was clearly stress. And that, that was a point of emphasis for Kalani in his postgame. So I assume it's something they'll try to address. But got to get off the field on third and fourth downs. And you know Kyle has started to get more aggressive on fourth, grant, fourth down as he's uh, you know become a veteran head coach. He's become uh, more and more aggressive. Fourth and one, fourth and two, let's go for it. You know, for for a guy who likes to play field position, which he does, he also likes to go for it quite a bit. Well, it depends on the distance, and Absolutely. that was the problem there for BYU. Is that Arizona was in short distance mm-hmm. each time they went for it on fourth downs. Yep, it wasn't three or more; it was always yeah. two or under, which made the decision easier. All right, DJ and PK, more your action. Come and grab your phone. Use the uh, use the open mic feature on our app. Send us your takes and. It's a Labor Day, it's a holiday, so if you're getting up late and you missed it, Samson Nakua and Nick Ford came on to talk Cougars and Utes. They are on with us every Monday morning. Samson at 7 o'clock, Nick at 7.30. You can listen to those interviews at 1280thezone.com or get them wherever you get your, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can check those guys out at 1280thezone.com. DJ and PK, we got Blake Anderson, Utah State head coach, coming up at 9.30. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. 15 seconds left. Utah State with the ball at the Washington State 7 for a chance to win this game. Bonner with Tyler next to him. Looks right, throws right, caught into the end zone. That is a Utah State touchdown, and the Aggies have taken the lead in Pullman. DT, are you with me? Utah State has taken the lead with 12 seconds left to go in the game. 
The Aggies get their first win ever on the road over a Pac-12 team. That is the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 4.50, and you can win fabulous prizes on The Big Show. The Big Show will be on 97.5 FM this afternoon. The Bees playing a Labor Day matinee will be over on 1280 The Zone. So make sure you're listening on 97.5 to win on the play of the game. And the Aggies head coach, Blake Anderson, is going to join us at 9.30. And PK, that just confirms uh, what you were told by BYU coaches, the portal. It's changing everything, and it turns out it's changing stuff more than we know. If you're way down, you can get back to decent pretty quickly. That didn't used to be true. Remember back in the days of five-year plans, and then coaches got four years, and then they got three, and... Now you start seeing this stuff, people are going to expect it instant turnarounds. At least at least get back to being average middle of the road. Yeah, there's something to be said for that, and that's one of the things I took from the Arizona game is that the uh, BYU coach is talking about the transfer portal and how Arizona is substantially better. And if you're going in that direction where you've been a down program, which – when coaches are replaced, sometimes it's not always that. The coach could leave, not necessarily be down. But in the case of Arizona and Utah State, they were down. And the coaches were replaced because they were fired yeah. and or mutually agreed to step aside. But they weren't, as, they weren't replaced because the other guy left it in a good spot and they were getting good game. They got good, uh, uh, yeah, a, got a better job. That the, wasn't the case here at all. There's always different storylines. You know, some coaches get fired for too many five and seven and six and six seasons. That's happened at Arizona State. You know, Ronnie Mack, it was more having a good season and then having a 500 year and having a good season and then winning four or five games. So it was kind of up and down and Urban Meyer knew there was talent when he came in. These two teams, they were way down. I mean, they combined to win one game last year, and that was Arizona didn't win at all, and Utah State beat New Mexico at home, and the Lobos had their own issues. And so week one to come out and for Arizona to look decent and had a chance in that game, I really thought they had a chance to roll over and go away, and they fought back. And Utah State, similarly, and they fought back and won the game with the way they played the last seven minutes of the game. So you just when you start bringing in double-digit transfers – you can plug holes. And, you know, coordinators are really good. You get people who've been doing this 5, 10, sometimes 20 years. It's like you can have a lot of good problems, but you got a problem over there at cornerback. Or if your D-line just isn't good enough, you know, they will just pick at the problem. And, in fact, you've got other good players on the field. Well, they just stay away from them. They go to the weak spot, and they just pick at it, and they pick at it, and they pick at it. And so to the degree you can go into the portal and upgrade your weakest links can make you look much better on the field. I think particularly for Arizona's sake at the P5 level, because Don Brown has been around for a long, long time, and they can have the money to where he can go and have somewhat of a level of prestige to where you can get somebody like that. It's not an up-and-comer. It's somebody who's already a proven commodity and can take guys, put them into positions to succeed, and I think that's what Arizona did. And to the Utes, with, or the Aggies, I should say, with, uh, with Anderson, you know, obviously at quarterback, he's doing that. Bonner throws that pick at the end of the first half. and In the second half, I thought he looked a lot better as far as that went. So you're bringing in an established quarterback, particularly a quarterback who basically has already played at that level, meaning that, you know, Arkansas State, it's not a big, big-time program, but the competition 
I think that he faced, it's fit in to a degree with Utah State. Washington State is expected to be one of the lower teams in the Pac-12. So he shouldn't have been overwhelmed by the situation by any stretch because he's already been there, not against literally those teams with those guys. But the level of competition wasn't going to be too big for him. It was a great, great win. You can't underestimate Utah State's win. I'm so happy for those guys. And BYU did what they needed to do. Now they need to amp it up significantly this week. I mean, I, my wife came with me to the game. We're driving back to uh, St. George. God, gosh, I went to bed at 4 in the morning <laughs> last week having to take my kid to driver's ed at 5. I went to bed uh, a half hour before I was getting up last week. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday was kind of a sit-around day for sure. I'm not used to going to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> when last week I was getting up at 4.30 to take her to driver's ed, which began at 5 o'clock. So that was kind of funny. But anyway, as it's we're It's really important home- to get regular sleep, PK. We're going to have to have a talk about that. I've been telling Yach, though, I've just been a mess all morning long. I cannot keep my brain well, locked in okay. on it. Thank PK, I, I can commiserate with you because we had post-game duties, me and Hans Olsen, for that BYU game. I went to bed at 3. So. Yeah. yeah. And so as we were driving back to uh, St. George from Vegas, she said to me, boy, you know, just watching this game, I was underwhelmed, and I would have to go with Utah as the favorite. And I said, well... I agree with you, sister. <laughs> right now, I would most definitely have to go with Utah as a favorite. I haven't seen the line, but I figured it would be at least be a touchdown and to, to that degree as far as the Utes being a favorite. BYU's going to have to step up its game or this, this thing's going to run to 10. Well, speaking of lines, you got a whole list of them for the big college games. And, man, there are some really – good-looking games next week. Now, based on what we saw week one, maybe they aren't such good games. But we will get to that next, what the oddsmakers are saying about the Utes, the Cougars, and the other big games that we're going to be watching all day leading up to that game in primetime, scheduled to kick at 8.15. But as you referenced earlier, PK, we've done enough of this. No one's biting on that. (laughs) That thing's not kicking off at 8.15. Do you hear 8.20, 8.25, 8.30, sold! slid to 8.25. (laughs) I know, right? All right, we'll get to all those lines next and what it says about week one and where the matchups are headed week two and where we're going from uh, from there. We'll do that next. Stay with us.